0: This episode contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Daughter Fighting Slate's parenting podcast for Monday, May 8th, the Potty Problems edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch, Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles Henry, who's 11, Oliver, who's eight, and Teddy, who's six. We live in Colorado Springs, Colorado.
1: I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is 10, and we live in Los Angeles.
2: I'm Zach Rosen. I make another podcast. It's called The Best Advice Show, and I'm dad to Noah, who is five, and Ami, who's two. We live in Detroit.
0: Today on the show, Dr. Christine Stephenson, the constipation coach, is back to help us help a listener who's running into some potty training problems at preschool. She thought she had her son potty trained, but now he's having daily accidents at school. See you back here in a second. Let's start by welcoming Christine Stephenson back to the show. Welcome, Christine.
3: Hi, thank you for having me back.
0: Well, you've joined us before, but for listeners who are unfamiliar, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
3: So, I'm a pediatric physical therapist. I live and work and raise a couple of kids in Rapid City, South Dakota. Um, a few years into my career as a PT, I got trained to treat bowel and bladder dysfunction, which I mean just changed my whole world because it affects so many kids in so many ways and it's so treatable if we know about it.
0: Well, we're so glad you can be here because we get so many potty training questions on this show because, of course, it's terrible. Uh, (laughs) But I'm hoping this one in particular, I think, really stuck with us. And we just wanted to to have you uh, give us some advice to help other people potty training and specifically this question. So... Here is what the letter writer writes. Seeking advice on potty training, we started training our son around age two using the oh crap potty training method, and he was eventually about 85% day trained for pee and has been nearly 100% reliable for poop. However, since starting preschool last fall, he has nearly daily pee accidents. Now he's 4.5 years old, and the improvement we were hoping for hasn't happened. We've tried sticker charts, potty watch, the Daniel Tiger potty episode, books, etc., and nothing has worked. He won't generally have full-fledged accidents, but will wet enough that it's clear he had an accident, and then we will finish on the toilet. Pediatricians have been no help and says it's probably behavioral, not medical. Son reports no pain when urinating, and there's no reason to think he has a UTI or is constipated. I'm getting a bit desperate and am worried his school's patients will run out as kids are supposed to be potty trained. Any advice or suggestion for a super late kid? Preschool
3: potty problems.
0: All right, Christine, what do you think?
3: Okay, so I first message I want to send to this letter writer is they are so far from alone. If I can just talk for a minute about potty training yeah. in general, like in in our country we just we make some mistakes. First of all, I think we do it too soon. I think we do it when parents want to potty train and not when mm-hmm. kids want to potty train. The second one and this is a this is problematic in a lot of ways for me to say because I really believe in body autonomy, but we have this thing where we should honor our kids' body autonomy. And as far as the oh Crap method, I think they really focus on that. We should really, the kids should learn their urges, which is terrific. And then the kids should be allowed or given the responsibility. It should, I should say given the responsibility to respond to those urges. If we're teaching kids to know what their urges are, but then saying, you can choose what to do with those urges, um, whatever you want, then a lot of kids, a lot, a lot of kids, Respond to those urges by ignoring those urges because all of us make those urges go away all day long. I can be in the clinic with kids, and I've got this kid for an hour, and then, oh, I'll go to the bathroom in between. Oh, but my other kid's here, so then I'm going to go another half an hour. Oh, I really got to go, but I'm going to wait until after this, and it's four hours later, and I finally make it to the bathroom. That's not a healthy toileting pattern, but like, I'm an adult. I don't have pelvic floor dysfunction. I don't have incontinence. I'm okay. These are toddlers who are going to make the exact same decisions. They're not going to know at all, whether it's good or bad for them. And yeah. then they, they get into this habit of like, of holding their pee and poop. So um, in general, I have advice for potty training that I wish all parents would follow. The first thing to do is to make your kids practically big to be potty trained. So um, I tell parents to like, put your kid in a pull up. They need to be able to go on a schedule. They need to show that they can go when they're in the grocery store and they need to use the bathroom and daycare when they need to use the bathroom and the park when they need to use the bathroom. (laughs) You know, like they have to show that they're really capable of doing it all the time and they're not going to hold it. And, and so they really need to want it. And then the, the underwear and being potty trained is the reward. If I could, I would tell parents to wait until their kids are dry at night because that's really a sign of a mature bladder and it'll mm-hmm. mean that potty training can will go easier. And then now is when I get to talk about poop, which is really my wheelhouse. Um, <laughs> when potty training, you should pay super close attention to your kid's poop. As a general rule, if they're pooping once or twice a day before potty training, they should be doing the same when they're potty training and then when they're done potty training. It's not unusual for poops to slow down a little bit, like twice a day to once a day, but kids should be pooping once a day. The final potty training advice that I have is I would like everybody to throw away the question, do you have to go to the bathroom? And I'd like them to replace it with, it's time to go to the bathroom. I don't think I've ever really heard, I have a lot of toddlers in my life right now. I don't think I've ever heard one of these parents say, do you have to go to the bathroom? And the kid to say, oh yeah, you're right. Dad, I do. <laughs> you know, like, no, they say no, they say no, they say no, they say no. And, they say no. and then finally... They have a pee leak right there in the living room or they get carried off to the bathroom. So I think taking away that do you have to go is um, is not a bad option for a lot of kids. So now this child in particular, um, I read the not medical, that it's behavioral, not medical. And I just I just was like, oh, great. What a relief, you know, and I I said it kind of. Kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it truly it is a relief, right? Like, you want to know that your kid doesn't have a neurological dysfunction that's causing this bladder to malfunction, no disease process, um, no structural abnormalities. And so everything I say should be taken with that assumption, that there's not something medically going on and that this kid has been screened for all that. But so it's not pathological, but I would argue that this is 100% a medical issue. It should be treated as such because... It doesn't sound to me like he wants to have incontinence. He's recognizing when he's had incontinence and is able to hold it enough to go to the bathroom. But he's not getting that urge until his bladder is super full. So my suspicion is that way back when he was two, he learned how to hold his peak many kids do. They use their Uh pelvic floor muscles that tighten up and hold pee in. They sit on their heel. There's actually a name for that. It's called Vincent's Curtsy. They sit on their heel to hold pee or poop in. They do that dance that we all like cutely call the potty dance. Like I'm Mm -hmm. like, no, 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 I don't want to see a potty dance. That's not going to be cute. Like your body is telling you, you have to go to the bathroom and your brain's not recognizing it. So way back then he learned to hold his pee. And what happens is the bladder is like a balloon and it stretches. And you get an urge that you have to go to the bathroom. But if you ignore that urge, it goes away, as we've already talked about. And then you keep drinking and the bladder gets a little bit fuller. And you might get that urge again, and then it goes away. And then if you keep this up for a couple months, the only time you get the urge is when, you, when it's like super, super full and it's about to overflow or it has overflowed. What I would do with a child, the first thing I would do is I would actually use that water balloon analogy. And with kids, sometimes I will just get a water balloon and and explain Mm. like, you know, this is a a normal water balloon, like maybe the size of an orange filled with water. Mm -hmm. And then like you have potty muscles that are holding it in and you go to the toilet and you have to empty it all the way. But if you don't empty it, it turns into the size of a grapefruit or it turns into the size of something bigger and showing the child that like, when it gets that full, your muscles aren't strong enough. And that's why that pee is leaking out. Um, And then you're tightening up and holding it in you're going to the bathroom. So to explain that like your brain isn't right now, your brain isn't getting the signal that your bladder is full. And so they said that they've tried a potty watch before. I would go back to using a potty watch. I would, but I would introduce it with some education. Like, you have nerves. They are little mailmen that go from your bladder up to your brain and tell you whether you have to go pee, but your nerves aren't doing the job because you don't know you have to go pee until it's already coming out. So we're going to use this watch like like a nerve, like a little mailman that's going to your brain and saying, um, it's time to go to the bathroom. Even if your brain doesn't feel it in your body, you're going to feel it on this watch. And then if you want, you can use a reward not for staying dry during the day, but for following that watch. Yeah, based
0: on what you said too, it seems like they should check in with the preschool about what their potty strategy is because it sounds like like are they offering the kids the opportunity or are they all lining up and going? And I I know like um our kids were in Dutch preschool and it was much more like everybody goes to the bath. You are welcome to the bathroom anytime, but on these certain times everybody goes. <laughs> It doesn't matter whether you have to go or not. Everybody lines up. Everybody sits on the toilet. If you go, great. If you don't go. um, But asking, like, is that, you know, what is happening in the classroom and what is the environment? Are they asking the kids or making them go? And can they, you know, make your kids go? I I also wonder, like, are there any barriers in the classroom to going? Like, is the bathroom outside and there's like a door that locks and you have like, uh, you know, taking stock of those because it seems like, What this kid needs is consistent and easy access to a bathroom, right? Um, to, To follow that potty watch until they can listen to their body better.
3: Totally agree. And I also like those potty watches can be set for any time. So you want to set it for this kid probably for every hour and a half. Although I don't think he needs to go to the bathroom every hour and a half for the long term. But let's have some success. Go to the bathroom approximately every hour and a half to two hours, and then eventually maybe every two and a half hours, but work with those teachers. Like, what is the time of day that works? Our goal is around 90 minutes, 100 minutes. When can we set it so it works? And then that's another conversation that needs to happen with this kid. Like, is there something about this bathroom that makes it difficult? What are the barriers? And let's let's knock down those barriers. The other thing is you, you have to look very, very closely on whether or not this kid is constipated. And I, I can't scream this from the no- mountaintops high enough. Like, he probably is. Many, many kids are. And your child can poop every day and still be constipated. You can, constipation is a backup of stool in the rectum. New stool can go around it, especially if your kid has a pretty good diet, you know, and drinks a lot of water and that poop is nice and soft. It'll go around the old stuff. But the old stuff that's hanging out there is what's causing the problem because it pushes against the bladder, which is a muscle. So as a physical therapist, if I want to activate a muscle, I tap on it. Um, and it's kind of like you have this bladder, the, the, the bladder is a muscle, and you just have this poop constantly tapping on it, telling it to contract. And then they have, and then like the, the bladder is squeezing all the time, it's contracting all the time, and then the pelvic floor muscles are fighting it. So um really digging into this kid's poop, which I wouldn't literally do, but um, <laughs> in, what are some of the signs of that he might be constipated even if he's pooping every day are, are his poops cracked? you know, like desert floor poops? are they rabbit turds? Um, are they super big or round? Uh, if they ever clog the toilet he any any listener who has a kid who clogs the toilet, that kid is constipated a hundred percent I have hmm. no no. <laughs> <laughs> no constipation yeah. with that. Diarrhea is a sign of constipation. I mean, it might be an hmm. occasional stomach bug, but for the most part, wetting the bed or waking up at night to pee is a sign of constipation because there's not enough room for that bladder to expand because that stool is taking up space. Stomach aches always are constipation almost always. Almost. I shouldn't say always, but almost. And then decreased appetite. Kids who um, just don't want to eat all that much right. at once. Anyway, so you, you identify the constipation and then you treat the constipation, go to your doctor, ask what to do, read my book, the constipation game plan. Cause I'll be honest, a lot of pediatricians, um, it, they stop at medication and there's so many more things that you could do like a toileting schedule and exercises and posture on the toilet.
0: And also not feel, I mean, you started with this, but I think it's worth ending kind of with it too, that like. They shouldn't feel any guilt about this or that they did something wrong because this letter does read like very heavy. And I, I mean, that is how I felt the entire time body training. Like this is somehow my fault.
3: I know we're so full of judgments. Absolutely not. I like, I just wish everybody could at their two or three year well child visit, just be like, hey, I just want you to know <laughs> none of this <laughs> is easy. There is no schedule. I want every preschool teacher who has told a parent that I've worked with that their kid can't be in a pull-up and go to preschool. Like, no, that's like, I mean, you shouldn't be potty training because your preschool teacher told you you had to, that's just a recipe for disaster. However, so,
2: so many of us have to do that. You know, we can't change our school policy. So do you have any advice of like, you know, dealing with the, the shitty policy, if you will,
3: (laughs) um, being just like Elizabeth said, like being very, um, communicative with the teachers about schedules and just say, we, our child needs help remembering to go. They, they shouldn't be asked. I mean, preschool teachers should also ban the, do you have to go to the bathroom? There should be a morning bathroom break and after, and then, and then making sure like having conversations with the teachers and the kids about like, what's going on with the bathroom? Is it private? Is it accessible? Is it, do they feel comfortable? Um, are they distracted? Are there a lot of sounds outside the room that might distract them? Mm. My just my favorite story about a young kid was like she told me she was pooping on the toilet and then a bug walked across the floor and she just stopped pooping. She was like, I can't. How can you expect me to poop when there's like this little ant walking across the floor?
0: Zach, can I add that you can um, even for preschool, like look into the five hundred four policy if you have a note from your doctor saying that it's not something that it's a medical issue, which mm-hmm. any of these can. You can have that. Mm-hmm. Um, handled henry has pandas of course and part of that is frequent urination and so we've dealt with a lot of these policies i would say that most of the time the preschools require them because they are not allowed to basically handle feces and Mm -hmm. for for a lot of what we're talking about in the pull-up it is not that they are going to poop there it is that they are going to pee a little bit or um, and so some of that can be overcome and listen if you go in and present this evidence like if if everyone just acts like hey this is totally normal things are not going to change if you are continuing to say to your preschool you know, hey, we're trying to make this work, but here I'm going to have a 504, I'm going to have this doctor's letter, or what else do I need to get this? Mm -hmm. That is going to raise their awareness that like, this isn't the best policy, right? Because what's driving us now is like, well, who wants to have to hire people to change poop, right? That requires extra certifications, all this extra stuff to deal with children's genitals and, you know, butts and wiping. And that is why they are doing it. So I, I do think some pushback, or if your child is truly not ready, go to the doctor and find out what you have to present to your preschool, um, mm-hmm. you know, to say this doesn't work for us. And mm-hmm. how can I,
3: how can I make this work here? Yeah, good. yeah, that, good you stuff. make a really good point. I mean, there's some policy wide, you know, we, yeah, they're all short staffed. And, um, and, and I, and I think my, I'm mostly saying like, it, it bothers me the most when it's daycares. When it's the yeah, two-year-old yeah. set that's well, being The pushed. reasons
0: are not based on the best recommendation for your child. They're based on what's best for the institution that we've set up, right? Right. We have right. many conversations about that. Um, yeah. But I do think this is a good place to leave the conversation ab- about this. And you have given some wonderful advice. And, of course, preschool potty problems, we will be thinking of you. Please know that we all really feel for you and and we hope that some of this works so please give us an update let us know how it's going everyone else if you have some other tried and true advice or things that have worked for you please email us at dad at slate.com or send us a voicemail at 646-357-9318 of course if you have other potty training questions let us know we're always happy to uh, get christine back to help us out Christine, before we end this little segment, where can our listeners find you if they need more information? They want to know more about what you do. How can they find you?
3: I can be emailed at Christine at constipationcoach.com. The other thing that I really want to recommend to um, everybody is that pediatric physical therapists who work in bowel and bladder dysfunction, we're a small group, but like not that small. There's more and more of us every year. And it can be life changing. I mean, there's just so much that you don't know that I didn't know until I started doing this. So, as a parent, I'm I'm always like, go find the experts and and pediatric PTs who work in bowel and bladder. Man, they it can really set kids up for some good things and further down the line too. So, go to constipation coach, but also just look up in your town if there's a, a physical therapist who does bowel and bladder dysfunction. Even for this four and a half year old, I would I'd really recommend that.
0: Awesome. Do you mind sticking around to give some recommendations?
3: No, not at all.
0: Okay, great. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll see you back here in a second.
4: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: All right, let's move on to recommendations. Zach, we're going to start with you. What are you recommending?
2: Well, I know that you decided to recommend something kind of on topic, so I thought (laughs) I would do the same. I'm going to recommend the musical stylings of Mr. Farts. This is an artist I learned about uh, this past weekend when I was spending some time with my grown adult friends. There were no kids around, but we put it on, and uh, we really enjoyed it. There's a song called "Farting Around the Clock. There is a song called Taco Farts, Sea Shanty Fart. You get the point. If you are in the zone that my family is right now, where we're trying to be able to have honest uh, and open and sometimes comedic conversations about farting and pooping like we don't we don't want um to suppress all the the talk around this stuff um and so we're trying to like make it fun but also trying to teach our our older kid that like you know we shouldn't be saying like i'm gonna fart on your head like you know she gets like ideas like that so we're, we're kind of having these conversations a lot and um we find mr farts to be a uh a positive fun addition to uh this kind of ongoing conversation around how and when to talk about bathroom stuff.
3: I love it. Oh that's so great. To... Hey Zach, can I just real quick, um I recommend the the planting the idea in your head, in your kids' head, that mm. a fart is just a poop honking the horn.
4: <laughs> um, because
3: like a hundred yes, yes, like if you're having if your child's having a very farty night, they need to go sit on the toilet to try to poop. Yep. So we always just say that. We're always like, oh, toot toot, that poop's honking a horn. Um, That's actually I- the
2: name of Mr. Fart's Christmas album, A Very Farty Night. Just kidding. <laughs> it's not, but it should be. That's great. That's a really good tip.
0: Oh, my Thank you, mm-hmm. Jamila, what are you recommending?
1: All right. Um, I don't have a fart-themed uh, recommendation, unfortunately. Um, I'm recommending a show on Netflix. Uh, this would be good for older kids. Um, I haven't watched it with Naima yet. I think she could handle it even though sex is a the theme, but I don't know that I'm necessarily going to show it to her because sex is a the theme. Um, it's called never have I ever. And, uh, it's produced by Mindy Kaling. It's about a young girl, um, navigating high school and the passing of her father and she's socially awkward and nerdy and she wants a boyfriend very badly and her social life kind of takes off and it's really interesting it's been criticized in the way that, that most of Mindy Kaling's work has been for um depicting Indian girls that are really into white boys and white culture yeah. and it's guilty of that too um but it It's got some other really strong stuff going on, too. I just think it's really good. And she does start dating an Indian boy at one point. I don't know if it lasts, but um, that's the big difference from the Mindy Project, where she exclusively dated white boys. But it's a really good show. It's earnest. The lead actress is just super sweet and good. It's a great kid cast. Good show.
3: Awesome. Thanks for that. Christine, what are you recommending? My family, it's super important to me that we get outside and get fresh air and have some family time without phones or screens or any of that. And it's always a pain or always a challenge as it is for most parents. But this spring we have had so much success when we have the theme of trying to pick up trash during our walks. So going for a hike and just picking up trash or the best was the creek. Like we went down to the creek and we were picking up trash. And um, these kids just go crazy for it. Like, they love it. There's no complaining for my 5-year-old or my 13-year-old. They're super into it. They get sunshine. We all feel good. Like, we did something good for the environment. And uh, so it's just it's just win-win-win. So
2: That's how you get them out of the house? You say, like, come on, let's go get
3: that trash? Is, that's more that's compelling the to them
2: than let's go hike?
3: Yeah. No promise so of ice great. cream afterwards. No Amazing. nothing. It's just, like... Hey, let's, um, my husband has some grabbers. I was going to so say do you have like, grabbers? Cause that yeah. grabbers we fun. get grabbers grabbers fun. and we go <laughs> like out me. on the trail. And I mean, you do, it's in town. Cause there's a, there's a drive in town that has like a ton of trash on it. So we just get off on mm-hmm. the drive and go on the trails that are side uh, next to it and fill up bags with trash. And then we leave them on the drive and then we go pick them up. So we don't have to hike home with a bag of trash, but Huh. Anyway, the Great. trash pickup mission has been a, a real success. So everybody should try I love it. Maybe that. I'm just lucky that my kids like trash. That's I cool.
0: love this so much. No, I, it. I think this is universally exciting for children.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. How about you, Elizabeth?
0: I'm going to bookend this with another fart themed <laughs> recommendation. Yes. Which, uh, so I we just finished this book that someone gave us called Does It Fart? The Definitive Field Guide to Animal Flatulence. Uh, It is a lovely little book with fun illustrations that goes through different animals and tells you whether they fart or not. So, uh, you know, things like zebra, yes, and why they fart and how their system works. Octopus, no. Some animals burp Mm. instead of fart. Uh, Mm. We are in that same phase of trying to continue to navigate kind of the fart jokes and fart humor um, and kind of saying like, hey, this is an important part of our body. And yeah. legitimately, I had never thought about whether some of these yeah. animals fart, uh, but you get to learn about their digestive systems. And it's it's been a nice alternative to fart humor. Like, now we're kind of learning about this and um, making jokes about, like, well, does a snake fart? So check out this book. Uh, and also the illustrations are just great. Each page is kind of a different animal and a really fun illustration. So it's a fun family book that you can pull out again. It's does it fart the definitive field guide to animal flatulence? Good stuff. All right. Well, there you go. You could learn all about, all about uh, animal farts. Well, Christine, thank you so much for joining us. We, we just so much appreciate you stopping by and helping us answer these questions.
3: It's my pleasure. I'll come back anytime.
0: Great. All right, that does it for today. This episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Maura Curry. Alicia Montgomery is VP of Slate Audio. For Zach Rosen and Jamila Lemieux, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. Thanks for listening.